0: And welcome in everybody to another episode of the High Low Sports Podcast. It is DJ, joined as always by my co-host Kelsey, doing this during the day instead. Do For those of you catching the live stream, decided to do a nice little afternoon stream since we both had the time, we're both free, we figured let's give this one a go as well too. So, Kelsey, we have the end of the NFL season, the college playoff, basketball's underway, it's a busy time in sports and can't wait to jump into this one and to get it going during the day as well. Yeah, it's a little different. I mean, there's actual light outside for once. <laughs> I mean, we don't you can't see it, our,
1: our, our you know curtains are covering it, but... <laughs> It's different. I feel like less of a zombie right now. It's uh it's unique, you know. Maybe 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 do more of this this year. This is a little more fun. Obviously still a little bit under the weather, trying to work my way back from that. But you know what? Sports makes everything better.
0: Hey, you know what? We've had I had my death game last week. You have your death game this week too. We'll work. Our, we'll work our way through this one as well too. This is what legends are made of. But you know what? This cast is made of. It's made up of segments, and that's gonna take us to our first segment, known as the tip off. And the tip off is, of course, brought to you by Doctor Squatch. Smell like a man, feel like a champion. Once again, click the link in our bio. You know the drill. You've been here before. You get all those wonderful smelling gifts. Slash, you just want to smell good going out with the lady, going out with the friends, going to work. Whatever you need, they got you. From deodorants to soap and everything in between it. You know what, I think we'd be remiss not to be talking about the big one, the Natty, the national championship bet- rematch, I should say, too, between the Alabama Crimson Tide, Crimson Tide and the Georgia Bulldogs coming up on Monday, a game we will be talking about on ColorCast and Kelsey. We kind of knew this was going to happen, honestly. As soon as the playoffs started, we were both like, well, maybe, maybe. No, we, we kind of knew better. I didn't even hide it in my predictions. I <laughs> literally was just
1: like, you know what, I could I could try to force it and be like, oh, yeah, Cincinnati gets an upset or Michigan with no, I I didn't even hide it. Like <laughs> I expected it then. I expect it now. And and this is I think we're gonna see a different game than we've seen in the last three matchups between this two. I think we're actually gonna see Georgia look different because I think Kirby Smart's gonna stop putting his finger in everybody's business <laughs> on his own coaching staff and actually let things happen. Um I think that's gonna be a big big part of this because I, I honestly think he's too too involved when they go against Nick Saban. He wants to be like Let's be the big brain and outsmart Nick Saban somehow. And Instead I'm of just, just letting new, let's, let's do the thing that got us here.
0: I'm just curious what the plan is going to be with Stetson Bennett. Cause he had a heck of a game against Michigan as well. So they blew Michigan, the doors completely off him, which that one kind of surprised me. I wasn't surprised they won. I was surprised that the ease of which they won, they dominated by more than Alabama and defeated Cincinnati. Like it was, com- it was the most one-sided playoff game we've seen. Uh, well, really since last year, I want to say in a while, but now that I think about it, it's kind of the downside of this college playoff it feels like, the semifinal games every year are a wash. There very rarely are the semifinal games competitive. I mean, there's been thirty-eight to nothing, Clemson blowing out Ohio State. There's been Notre Dame every time they get in there losing by thirty plus. It feels like Oregon and and Florida State, the Jameis versus Marcus Mariota game. My lord, was that one? I mean, it's hard to even think of one that was competitive as a semifinal except for Clemson Ohio State two years ago. And then the rematches. Huh. Yeah, I mean, it's it's been awful. I, I can't. You're exactly right. I can't literally go
1: back other than you you mentioned that one Clemson and Ohio State matchup, and uh, honestly, I don't remember a close one ever, other than that. It has been literally just get me to the national championship game, which to to the people who complain about like this is why we don't need more teams in the playoff, like what if there were more teams so there could be actual games played? Like we don't know. Like we're getting – right now we're getting a wash of a game – in the first round anyway. So why not add more first round games and see if maybe we can get one that's actually somewhat competitive. Like that's all I'm hoping for is
0: just a little bit of competitiveness. Let's just imagine too, like it's slightly different matchups. Maybe you see Georgia going against a, maybe Georgia goes against Cincinnati as team that was weirdly competitive with them last year and was weirdly competitive with Alabama. And I say competitive loosely, but at my point is it wasn't a wash until late. Then maybe Michigan goes against somebody and doesn't get absolutely their brakes blown in. You see maybe a Michigan State gets in there, and you maybe Kenneth Walker does play as well, too. Maybe Pitt somehow sneaks their way in, and you do see Kenny Pickett play, like, and you get different types of matchups. Maybe Ohio State finds themselves in there. We saw a C.J. Stroud, and that offense managed to do against Utah, who maybe Utah gets in there, too, with their who were beating, beating up on Ohio State until their quarterback got hurt as well, too, and what was the best game of the season so far, at least bowl season, I should say. Like I think if you expand it, you get better matchups. You get different matchups, which could lead the more opportunities you do something, the more opportunities there is for an upset. It's like, it's why the March madness tournament is so great because you can get an upset at any given moment because there's so many dang teams that have an opportunity. And I know you can't do 64 football teams as great as that would be for us, but that I think the more games you could get, the better. So I agree with you, but that's going to bring us back to this game. My curiosity about this game coming into is how does the Stetson Bennett thing work out with Georgia as well, too? He had a bit of a rough first game against Alabama. He had, seemed like he had trouble just kind of sitting in the pocket and getting through that first read before getting attacked. And I'm curious, do they? how do they use his legs too?
1: Yeah, this is a big question, right? Because obviously Stetson Bennett, he is a threat athletically. And honestly, as far as the arm goes, he's the second best arm on that team. And that's nothing against him. It's just not his bread and butter, right? JT Daniel, obviously, that dude knows how to throw a ball. That dude was born throwing a football. Stetson Bennett had to learn how to throw a football, but he was born to just out run and make everybody else look very unathletic and like we're talking like actual real athletes he makes look unathletic and um it's, it's impressive to watch when he runs i do think they need to get him involved one of the biggest thing that has always affected a nick saban offense is rpos they have always been an issue i mean obviously this year you have a much you have much better defensive ends and you have toe-toe there in the middle of the linebacking core that's literally will fly all over the place to go hit somebody but you can still you can still get them getting them over pursuing and 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 getting them in the wrong spots and, and still take advantage. So I do think they need to take more onus on on his run on his run game because we have yet to see them really focus on him running the ball. Like, right. It's been it's almost like game manager mode pops out every time Stetson Bennett gets out there. But I'm like, why not let the kid run?
0: Let Let him do what he does well. Let, let him scoot a little bit. And on top of that, I think one thing that will help him, and they had a lot of success against Michigan, was running backs in the passing game, not just screen pass. Like James Cook on that wheel route right out of the backfield for that big touchdown. The ICE is multiple, multiple times. Yeah, exactly. Zamir White as well, too, on just like a little check down routes. I mean, obviously Alabama's going to fly to him, but it moves the ball forward, at least. It's better than an incomplete pass. I mean, a four-yard pass to Zamir White. Eventually, you start checking it out. James Cook gets loose in the back end, who is a really good receiving back. McIntosh as well, too. We saw throw a touchdown. Or McIntosh. Yeah, McIntosh. I think yeah. It, th- I think using them in more variety of ways in the passing game is something they got to do too, because it can't just be Brock Bowers or Bus. You got to find a little something. I mean, McConkie is a good slot receiver. Like, I think those running backs are going to be the key, and how they utilize that Bennett. Maybe an RPO with a swing pass or, and a, or a play action, then have the wheel route on the backside. So, really curious who to do. And if you're Alabama, everything you did the first matchup, just try and do it again at this point. Really, <laughs> obviously, you won't have Mechie, so that'll kind of hinder things a little bit. They'll be able to roll coverages toward Jamison Williams, but everything you do right, let Bryce... Let Bryce Young drop back there, give him a little bit of time, keep N'Kobe Dean from being a missile, and Nolan Smith from terrorizing the backfield. Bryce Young's going to do Bryce Young things. He would arguably be the number one rated quarterback in the draft this year if he could come out. I mean, you can make a case at six and one and half a dozen in the other, but he's an absolutely sensational, sensational passer. So, I'm Alabama. I'm not changing a whole lot going on this game. Maybe I run the ball kind of like I did against Cincinnati early on. See if you can just get that defensive line slowed down a bit. But I'm just copy and pasting what you did a few weeks ago.
1: Yeah, like like I'm gonna come out. That might, that's my that's my initial game plan. Like my first half is gonna be, all right. What did we do last year last time we played them? Good. We're doing it again. Now, if they make adjustments and they 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 can stop me, then guess what? They're about to get a whole lot of dose of it's Bryce Young and Brian Robinson. And you saw the deadly combination they had against Cincinnati. Once Brian Robinson got rolling, there was not a single thing Cincinnati could do to really slow down Bryce Young in a passing game because it was everything was open. You had to respect the run. You had to respect everything Brad Robinson had been doing at that point. And I mean, he went on to have a record setting day. Now, is that always gonna happen? No, but can it happen? You would have the offensive line for it to happen. So, yeah, absolutely. You have a first round tackle over there in Evan Nil. So I don't see why not. Like, like you have an absolute opportunity.
0: Heck, like a potential lottery pick tackle on top of that as well. Too, yeah. I'm I'm excited to see him and Nolan Smith go head to head again. I'm curious to see if Jordan Davis stays on the field a little bit more. I know he's right, I don't want to say limited as a pass rusher, but it's clearly he is a run stopping maniac. So I'm curious how they use him. Because we talked about when we color cast the game, where he at, though. I mean, we yeah. you can't miss him when he's on the field. Like, it's hard of him to miss him. And we did. he just wasn't out there a whole lot as well. So I'm curious if they do bring him in and let him be a pass rusher a little bit more often, too.
1: Yeah, that's a big question. Because this is the first time we've seen Alabama really use an up-tempo offense as well. So it's a, it's a good way for them to keep Jordan Davis off the field when they go into these quick passing attacks. When they get a first down off of a run and he's trying to run himself off. And then they immediately are at the line, you know, trying to. Run another two plays, and and you know he's still struggling to get to the sideline. That's that's going to hamper him. So he needs to be. This needs to be the, the the game that sets Jordan Davis apart from the rest of the D tackles. If they're going to have a, a chance to be able to stop Alabama, like he needs to like just put his name out there. Like I am that dude in the middle of the field. I'm what Indomik and Sue was coming out of college years ago. Like he needs to be that type of guy. If Georgia is going to have a chance to to win this game for sure.
0: Absolutely, and another guy to look out for, I'm curious, is if they do have a nice adjustment, they're able to get over the top of Javis Williams. There is no Mechie. I look for Billingsley to be that guy, kind of what Bowers was for Georgia against Michigan. I look for them to find a lot of Billingsley, try, try and get N'Kobe Dean chasing Robinson and and chasing Bryce Young around too, and maybe you can get, it's a tough matchup with those linebackers, but I think that might be their best second option as well too, but that's going to take us to your favorite part of this this segment when it comes. we talk about a game. We got to We got to put the everything on the line here. Push the marbles in Kelsey. Who's winning the natty? What's the final score? And who's your, who are your MVPs? You know, this hurts me again hmm. every year because I don't, I, first of all,
1: as an Auburn fan, these are the two teams I don't ever want to have to choose in any situation. Like you're literally asking me to choose the thing I hate and the thing that hates me. And you know, like I, I both options I don't like, uh, you know, at the same time. So I, you know, I'm, I'm looking at it. As much as I hope Georgia can win, I, I I hope deep down Georgia pull this one off. But I just think there's too much Alabama at this one. I think there's too many options deep. You mentioned Billingsley. You're not even mentioning Latu, the backup tight end, who is just as adept as a as a pass catcher. Um, you also have, I mean, countless countless first rounders. Will Anderson out there as a the best all around defensive tackle or defensive end slash outside rush linebacker in the nation led the nation in sacks and nobody's talking about him so you know it's 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 a situation where there's so much so many weapons on alabama's defense and offense i just don't think there's enough for georgia to pull it off but there's an outside shot for georgia
0: i just everything would have to go right for georgia to pull this one off for sure well we both we both made a compelling case for alabama honestly I'm going with the Bulldogs. I think they're going to pull it off this time as well, too. I, we talked about all the reasons Alabama should win. We talked about they have countless weapons. But I think not having Mechie is going to be a huge difference because you can't double-team Jameis Williams when Mechie, Mechie was out there. And we saw that in that first half when Bryce Young was running Rapshot. Once Mechie went down, though, the offense slowed down a little bit. I didn't stop them, obviously, because they still got theirs. But it slowed down the track meet at least a little bit. It turned it into a football game, not a track meet to the end zone. And we saw it again in Cincinnati in limited doses, obviously. Obviously, they eventually ran through Cincinnati. But when you only have that one dynamic guy who's been practicing the whole time, I know they have other talented guys that are probably going to be first-round picks in like a year or so. But they haven't been integrated into the offense quite as much. I think that's just going to keep it close enough where Stetson Bennett can be the playmaker of those legs. I think we're going to see more of a screw it, Stetson Bennett running out there somewhere. Instead of of screw it, I'm going to throw it out there somewhere. And I think on top of that, they're going to keep it close. And I think they're going to find a way to... Outsmart Kirby smart if that makes sense. Like the Georgia players and the scheme is going to find a way to out Kirby Kirby, and I think they're going to find a way to overcome that, if, especially early on when the games when the game will remain close.
1: Yeah, you know it's funny because uh, it's it, you know okay thanks mom, hmm. you know just <laughs> throw me under the bus like that can't can't ever <laughs> vote for Bama. I did I I won for Bama. I'm sorry mom I'm I'm a disappointment I guess. Um, but you know it it is what it is. But at the same time like uh, you know you mentioned with with Georgia and sets a being able to to. And and then the entire offense, maybe the athletes outsmart Kirby Smart. That's really been the big thing, right? Like that's the, that was the thing that got that got a lot of these coaches that try to outsmart the other guy too much over the hump is they finally have the athletes to outsmart them. Like they they can't outsmart their athlete at that at the end of the day. So like you know Andy Reid, you look at what he was able to do with the Chiefs, and they finally got the the weapons like you know Patrick Mahomes freakish arm, Tyreek Hill's freakish legs, Travis Kelsey there. You finally got the weapons that. There was no outsmarting anybody, outsmarting himself with Andy Reid. He finally had the 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 core to do it. So this might be the Georgia team to be able to do that. So they
0: out talented um, their outsmarting, as weird as it is, yeah. as well, too. But that leaves us. So you have Alabama who who are your what's the score you got looking at? And what are you looking at for the MVPs of the game? We'll go offensive and defense since that's how they do it in college. So I'm gonna go thirty-five to thirty-one. I'm gonna say it
1: is actually relatively close though. Um but I do think Brad is gonna be the big the big difference offensively. I think he's just going to, we're going to see the first time with his legs. We've not seen him use his legs to, uh, you know, destroy somebody before yet. And that's another part of this. I just, I, I'm, there's so many pieces to Bryce Young we haven't seen yet. And it's kind of freaky and I'm terrified of it going forward. But, you know, I think it's going to be something we see everything come out. I think we see Bryce legs, legs, legs arm. I think everything happens. Um, he'll accumulate for all five touchdowns uh, in, in my eyes, whether it be through the air on the ground, but. He's going to be the offensive MVP, and I think Will Anderson is going to be defensive MVP. Just somehow shutting shutting down Stetson Bennett enough.
0: That's a, that seems like a safe bet. Considering I think they were the those were the two guys for the Cincinnati game as well, too. Or actually, it was Robinson offensive. It was, yeah, of Robinson team. and Will Anderson. So. All right. So Bryce Young only won a Heisman, didn't win a player the game <laughs> in that game at you. But I'm going to go with a closer. I'm going to go with a close game with a similar type of score. I'm looking at 27 to 21. I think it's going to be a little bit lower scoring game because they're not going to have as many huge plays. I think they're going to both find ways to control the clock. We're going to see Robinson get involved a lot. For Alabama, I think all of those running backs can be used heavily. I'm going to go with Brock Bowers as the offensive MVP for Georgia. I think he's just going to have 100 yards and pick up a buttload of first downs, and I think the seven running backs that Georgia uses is going to split up their yards, so none of them are going to acquire a bunch of stats, and maybe Bowers gets a touchdown, even something along those lines. He's just going to be a name we say a lot, like we did in that mission game. It felt like every time we were on the call, we said his name. Defensively, it would be really easy to give it to N'Kobe Dean, because he is Nakobe Dean, and he's a future top 10 pick. we both of us nearly lost our mind on that play he made on quorum in that game against Michigan where he came flying out of center field. But I think they're almost going to use flying him. out of the opposite side of the field. <laughs> like He just came out. He was literally the silver bullet, but wearing red. I'm going to go with Nolan Smith. I think the outside yeah. rushing linebacker who also sometimes plays off-ball linebacker, his versatility, he's going to be able to track down Bryce Young in those open spaces a little bit more. I think he's going to be used as an edge rusher in the third and longs, but the first and second downs, he's going to be used as like an off-ball type of linebacker. Looking for a couple of sacks, maybe a forced fumble, a couple of pass deflections, and I think he'll just be in on a bunch of tackles as well. To Nickobe Dean's still going to be the best player on their defense, but I look for Nolan Smith to cement himself as a first round pick as well too, and just kind of like how the Colts use Darius Leonard, I was like, sometimes when we need you to rush, we're going to send you. We'll send you. Sometimes we just need you to sit there and be a maniac. I think they're going to kind of do that with Nolan Smith as well. Like what they used to do against Deshaun Watson with Darius Leonard, we're going to see Nolan Smith do that a lot as well too, and kind of play the underneath coverage, underneath Billingsley, underneath Mechie on those on those in-breaking routes, just kind of just get him in the way and let him be a nuisance. I think he's going to make some plays. That would be unique. Uh, they
1: haven't done that with him enough this season, I feel like. That's that's something they did early on in his career, but not enough this season.
0: And I'm hoping they do it because if I say it and can see it and if it, it sounds like it might work, I want to see them at least try it. If I'm wrong, then you can go back to just putting him at D end and having him chase Bryce Young and not get anywhere like we saw in the last game because we didn't. they kind of – they almost eliminated him in the last game. They put him in spots where he doesn't always thrive, like, if that makes sense, too. So we'll, we'll see. I think this is going to be a fun game, and we look forward to calling this one on Color Cast. It is going to be a, an absolute blast for anybody but you, honestly. As you mentioned, the two teams you arguably want root to for, root for the least, and this is the second time in four years you have to do it in the natty. You know, if honestly, if it could just like be a beat-em-up fair, affair that goes like multiple
1: overtimes, I'll be okay with it because that means that as much as I wasn't happy, at least it was a good
0: game. I would disagree with that because I don't want to call the game for that many overtimes necessarily as well, too. That's but, fair, that is fair. But I, I agree with you as well, too. Hopefully it's at least a good game. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true.
1: Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a world. That's
0: Chumba Casino no.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. But that's going to take us to our second segment, known as the main event. The main event, of course, brought to you by Color Cast, as we alluded to a lot in that first in that opening tip off. That is where we will be calling the game. If you haven't got the color cast right now, what are you doing? You're, you're not you're not new here. You know the drill. You can called live games, live shows, comments, interactions. It's it's the new era of sports commentary and live sports. So definitely get on that if you haven't. But this brings us to highs and lows as we are rounding out the NFL season as well, too. So, Kelsey, I think I'm going to let you go first this time for the highs if you would Ooh. like to as well, too, if you're feeling this. Because I normally I go first. Normally I break it in a little bit and I kind of ramble. I'm going to let you go and break it in this time. What are you looking at for your highs? All right. So for my highs, I'm going to start
1: with a guy out here just, well – This says it all. Caleb Williams, man, securing that bag. If you guys don't know what I mean, Caleb Williams entered himself into the transfer portal, and this man is just out here just bring me offers in these NIL NIL days. He just had Charlie Batch from Eastern Michigan and his agency offer $1 million for Caleb Williams to just go to Eastern Michigan – For one season, this man can enter the transfer portal again and go get a bag somewhere else. I mean, I'm sorry, but in the day and age where you see kids going to HBCUs because they know the bag will be there, because let's be completely honest first of all, if you guys don't know about HBCUs yet, you're going to learn in one of our future episodes. We have a great guest coming on to talk about HBCUs with us. But HBCUs, they have money, the money are in their alumni. And their alumni love their universities, and that's why kids need to think about these HBCUs as a legitimate possibility going forward. And Caleb Williams is going to be a prime example of he's probably going to end up somewhere that is a lesser prestige than Oklahoma, but he's going to be making his life so much different. Not just his life, his family's life, his kid's life, his future grandkids' life are going to be so much different just from the decisions he's making here in college, and I love it. I honestly love everything, absolutely, about this story with Caleb Williams. I know Oklahoma fans might disagree because they still want to see him go there, but Oklahoma's still in play for him to return to. But he just wanted to see what was
0: out there, really, before yep. he decides to go somewhere. That's kind of my favorite part about this is he's not locking himself in as well. Too, like he can literally come back to Oklahoma. You could be like, you know what, Oklahoma? It is a mess right now. Lincoln Riley's gone. You're bringing in a new coach. A lot of players are transferring. Like, there's a lot of uncertainty. I'm not saying I won't stay but like make it worth my while, you know what I'm saying? Like I, I came in here, I took that job from Spencer Rattler who was the golden boy coming into the year. So, let's see uh let's see if you guys can make it worth my while cuz honestly I think Oklahoma's the prestige is there but the next year or so while uh, they kind of get retooled and refig- figured out, it's not going to be that necessarily great. And if you're Caleb Williams, you're a guy you want to go out there, you want you got to look out for yourself. You got to look out for Numero Luno. So, I like this idea as well. So you talked about a million to go to Eastern Michigan it was if I'm not was that? <laughs> yeah, right? Like yeah. my goodness, imagine what it Imagine if Lincoln Riley was like, you know what? I kind of liked Caleb Williams. Let's bring him back. With, with those, maybe we'll give you two million. Like that's smart of him to at least just see what you can get. I mean, if you don't, if you can't get a better bag, you can go back to OU, and they are not in a position to turn you down afterwards. Like they will gladly take yeah. you back. It's the old testing free agency when your contract ends, but always able to come back as well too if they if they like you as well. So I love this from Caleb Williams and OU fans. I don't think that, OU fans they bet they should get over it real quickly because OU is probably in position where. it's – what they saw this year is probably gonna be the highlight for a couple of years as well. Too like it's it looks like it's gonna be rough for a couple of years as they try and retool everything and rebound everything, just with the amount of players they had decommit on top of it. So we'll, yeah, we'll, that's we'll that's, that's the biggest part of that decommissioned.
1: <laughs> Although I will say they did add Dylan Gabriel, uh, the UCF transfer, the lefty, to their roster. So that is actually a great a great pickup in the transfer portal. But I gotta say, man, if there's anybody out there that hates the NIL and then continues to hate the NIL, and I'm sure we're gonna talk about this you know, the state of the college football game today later on. Um, But I just got to say this, man, amateurism has long been dead. We've all just put a farce over it by calling it amateurism. These guys don't get paid. So it's not, they're just still amateur athletes. No amateurism outside of boxing has long, long since been dead at this point in time. And, and it's time to accept that. And this is the new future that we're going to be seeing with, with guys that if they're not completely 100% happy with their, their situation, they're going to go try to find somewhere that will pay them, which
0: if you are a working human being, you understand all, all too well. 100%. And if they're that good to where you care about them transferring, clearly they're going to be able to get something somewhere else as well too. So if they're that good, your school will find a way to keep them as well too. Like This this kind of incentivizes, it's not just like, well, I can't make money anywhere, I'm just going to go to Alabama because it's a pipeline. Kind of in theory, as it gets more situated, it's obviously brand spanking new, you might see the talent balance out of it. Like you see Caleb Williams is like, well, I, went, I could go to OU, but I could get more money at Texas hypothetically, and I could help bounce them back. Maybe you see it with some of those other players we talked about, Travis Hunter as well too, going to an HBCU as well on top of it. So I think the NIL deal will balance out the power as it gets more situated and going as well too. Like everyone's just like, oh, it's legal now, money. So it's just kind of getting thrown like thrown like it's an adult club at this point too. We get once it gets balanced out a little bit, I think we're going to see a little more balance of talent throughout the throughout the college football.
1: Yeah, and you have now you have states that are fully like their full implication of NILs. He's coming to play Florida being one of those now with its full, full like implication of everything. So it's a big play uh, part of it as well. And, and that's something that
0: exactly right. We'll, we'll have to see what happens going forward for sure. Absolutely. So that that's a pretty, that's a pretty good one as well too. It's definitely a thick bag, thick bag of worms on this first one as well too. I definitely, I agree with you and I look forward to Caleb and seeing where he ends up here He comes back to you. And I'm curious to see that though, how many zeros he's about to acquire as well too. Well, that was quite the first one, uh Kelsey for the, for the second one. How, how, what do you thinking for your second one here? I mean, you got a pretty good start there with this first half. Well, pardon my dying, but this one also is going to include a little bit of
1: dying if a lot of people's rumors come true. But that's the playoffs being decided Sunday night. And in the most dramatic fashion, of course, it is being decided between the Chargers and the Raiders. And, of course, it's literally the game that will decide it all. And it's scheduled 8.20 p.m., which is after every game is being played on Sunday. And there are rumors that they were they were talking about potentially taking a knee every single down and punting the ball just so they didn't have to do anything and nobody got hurt and they could both advance to the playoffs. But the reason why this is a high for me is because Brandon Staley, hmm. he came out and he said, no, 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 no. Hmm. I am not going to sit there and throw the game away and disrespect the game. Like we've seen before against the Raiders. Hmm. Not just, not just like he's like, no, I'm not going to disrespect the game. No, I'm not going to disrespect the game and especially not against the Raiders. And we got to talk about this too, is because the Raiders, obviously being a part of this, you talk about the man who just passed away and John Madden. Could you imagine how much of a stomp on the legacy of John Madden this would be if that's how that game ended for them to both go to the playoffs? Like how much everything that he did for the game would
0: just be thrown away? I like the. Think, and don't forget, too, there's some things that have to happen before that to even play out as well, too. The right. first thing, they need the Colts to lose to Jacksonville, which it's very possible. But, I mean, well, we have to wait and see how that one plays out. Then I think they would also need, if I'm not mistaken, I think they need the Steelers to beat the Ravens as well on top of it. So there's some things that would need to happen as well, too. But I'd agree with you. That would be the ultimate middle finger. I hope it wasn't like an actual rumor they were thinking about. it. I hope that was just like Twitter fan service, because that's that's kind of how things have set on Twitter. It becomes hey. back these days. So I'm hoping that was just kind of like a random fan theory, because – I can't imagine Brandon Staley. I can't imagine Derek Carr, all of these guys. I can't imagine that they would, that they would ever entertain this idea too. Even if the coach said we're doing it, I think this would be that situation you talked about where the players over they out talent, the smarts. Well, they'd be like, absolutely not. You will pull me before that happens as well too. So I, I, I love this though. It's everything decided Sunday night. Last year we had the, it was the Eagles and the, and was it Washington, I believe, or was it the Giants? Uh, no, no the, it, was, it was the Giants. Yeah, it was
1: the Eagles and Washington. Okay, yeah. Because it, the Giants, who had played the Cowboys or beat the Cowboys earlier today the day, had the opportunity to go into
0: the playoffs if, if, if the there was the just an, a decent game played by the Eagles. Exactly, and then there was the whole benching thing like that, so I love that they flex this Sunday night, it doesn't get any better than this, when can you get in, and if I'm not mistaken, I could be wrong. I think if the Raiders win, not only do they get in, they get to move to the 60s as well, too. Or the yeah, yeah the 60 because they jump the Colts in that regard. If the Chargers win, I think they will get in as the seventh seed and they would play what looks like another rematch with Kansas City as well, too. So there's a whole lot on the line, and I, I love this one as well. Too it should be it doesn't get a whole lot better than this And another game. We will be on the call for on color cast. So you definitely want to tune into that one. And two great quarterbacks, and they had some good matchups early this season as well, too. So yeah, they did. I, I did I like this one as well too. I, hopefully they do this more often. And the only thing that is weird, though, is you have Saturday night games as well, too. I felt it used to be every game was Sunday night to end the season. So moving a few yeah. to Saturday, I thought was kind of goofy, but to each their own. I, I, I don't hate it because the games
1: they did move are like
0: absolutely meaningless. I mean,
1: realistically, in, in the in this retrospect of the, the season, they're just absolutely meaningless. So it's like, all right, well, that's fine. Get them out of the way, which we'll be on one of the Saturday games as well. We'll be on the Cowboys game for that one. But, you know, Sunday, I, I miss having Sunday games at like 1 p.m. and 425 and then the two at the, at night and those two at night decided everything. Like I wanted that to be the way it was again this year, to have like the two most meaningful games being the flex ones, but now it's just like, no, we're going to put one meaningful game here and let it be for all the marbles. I'm like, but do you have to?
0: Exactly. It's like yeah, although- do, we,
1: do we do we need to risk another Eagles Washington situation?
0: Well, that being said, if I'm a team that's played the Cowboys or the Chiefs in round one, I'm a little annoyed because I'm like, really? You gave them an extra day to rest? Gosh, dang it. I, but at the same time, it's we're talking 24 hours of even that. So it's not a big deal. But either way, I'm I'm a simpleton where everything ends on Sunday was, my, was the way I remember it. I refuse to change because of who I am. I'm sounding like a boomer now. So we're going to move on to your third and final high. Which one? What are you high on this week? So this
1: one, I just mentioned the Eagles. And this one is actually Jalen Hurts. And Jalen Hurts is as good as I thought off the field uh that's the, the the quantifier for this and if you guys don't know what I'm talking about obviously after the game here in FedEx on FedEx field against Washington he was walking walking in the locker room and as he was walking by the stands where it gets into the tunnel the entire side collapsed and helped he was there it, it actually did collapse on him he was able to get out of the way prevent himself from injuries but there were about eight or nine ten fans on the ground right there next to him being the good human he is he helps them all up. Like, he doesn't have to do it. Like, let's be completely honest. In a in a COVID era where you're surrounded by security members, you don't have to be the athlete that goes and helps people, right? But just without thinking about it, the guy is like, okay, I'm good. Now let me help help these fans up. Whether they were Giants fans or whether they were Eagles fans or Washington fans, I don't honestly think he would have cared. Like, he would have helped them all up. But it was, it was actually really good to see just a really human moment there. And, like, you know, he gave them all hugs, gave them all pictures, Made sure everybody was okay. Anybody that wasn't or had bruises, he like pointed out to the medic, like, "Hey, can you grab them?" And and there were a couple that they they took away, like, just to check up on. But man, I was like, of the moments that can we've seen can be very scary when when stands collapse. Th- to see a real human moment out of somebody who's so young and yet so poised, I, I I appreciated this one. And yeah, he's a rival of the Cowboys. I don't care about that. Jalen Hurts is a guy I've I've liked ever since he his his move in Alabama, where he was like. No, I'm gonna stay. Like I don't wanna. I don't wanna leave. I'm gonna stay until they force me out, basically, which is what happened. Like they're like, all right, well, we don't. We can't use you next year. Okay, well then I'll go to Oklahoma and just dominate. Like, do my thing. And that's you know what I respect that. And that was something that you know really kind of led to what this moment is right here too. It's like all led to the single moment, and it was it was a really good human moment for sure.
0: Absolutely. And then writing the letter to the NFL or to Washington afterwards, On top, not to the NFL, excuse me, to Washington afterwards as well, it Absolutely wonderful person. And Jalen Hurts, like everything you could say about him on the field, whatever you want to say. Off field, he's as good as it gets, an outstanding leader. And you saw it there. And on top of that, this is not a so, not so bold prediction. I think he's going to win a Walter Pate Man of the Year at some point during his NFL career. I mean, yeah. it's hard and it's a lot of fan voting, but I think he's going to get nominated and I think he is going to win it at some point. He just seems too good. He seems like too wonderful of a person not to. And the Eagles would be smart to keep him long-term. I know there's rumors about them trying to move on from him maybe at up and down throughout the year. They'd be smart to build around him for at least one more year and see what see what you have as well, too. I mean, he's led you to the playoffs this year. He's he's a certain type of quarterback, but he's a wonderful ambassador on top of it, and you're winning.
1: Statistically speaking, he is on par with Lamar Jackson through the same amount of games with stats. like He is literally dead even with Lamar at this, this point in time. They each trade off a couple stats here and there but that's a guy that won an MVP early on in his career and has led his team to the playoffs every year of his career. So look, Jalen Hurts, if he can be, if he can emulate a little bit of Lamar's career, Eagles
0: fans should be super happy. And we talked, we talked a lot. We'll be talking a little bit more about some quarterbacks that maybe don't say the right thing and aren't always in the right position and kind of hinder themselves there without not just including their play. Well, he's that. That's one thing you never have to worry about. He even said when they asked him about COVID with it kind of going through Eagles, he's like, like I may catch it, but one thing I know I'm going to do is if I do catch it, I'm going to catch it, make sure I'm doing all the right measures to mitigate it and prevent it to the best of my ability. What yeah. better of an answer could you ask for there? Whether it's his true beliefs or not, we don't know that, but he gave the right answer for that situation. Exactly, and that's the biggest thing, right? Like, just
1: give me the right answer. Don't give me the fake answer like, like what we see with with Russell. Like I don't want to see the fake uh, embellished answers, but I do want to see a real – honest answer like uh, that that is as honest as it gets and and you know carson was also pretty honest about it too and i put those two in the same belt like elk as far as like the way they've handled this situation they're like like if i get it yeah sure i get it but i'm gonna do everything right other than carson choosing not to get the vaccine everything else he did everything he could to not get tested positive and it took week 17 <laughs> asymptomatic tests
0: to get him positive you know 100% as well, too, and it's fun to put the, and that's, this is, like, the good way of putting those two in the same conversation, as yeah, well. Not, I know there's some we Eagle that some Eagles fans are like, them. how dare you compare those two again, but. Exactly,
1: yeah, no, that's... Eagles fans, sorry, don't come at me, I mean, you can come at me, but. Do don't. it at your
0: own peril. <laughs> yeah, like, I'll shut you down, it's okay. And actually, before we get into those <laughs> lows, though, because I feel like we got some lows, we'll be some things down, I'm going to go on to some of my highs really quickly, as well, So I won't take too long on these ones, but the first one I'm going to start with is going to sound like complete and utter bias and favoritism, but I'm looking at my doppelganger, Hunter Renfro, as well, too. Affectionately known as the slot machine, third and Renfro, whatever you want to call him. He went against the number one slot corner, which I think, Kelsey, you'd agree with me on this one, the best slot corner in the game against Kenny Moore. The entire game, they were one-on... Was it? One of the best corners in general. Exactly, on top of that. And he went one-on-one with them basically the entire game, and the only time the Raiders didn't move the ball is when Kenny Moore got the upper hand. But any time, any other time, the reason they won is because of Hunter Renfro overall winning that matchup and winning those reps throughout the entire game. We, he had that touchdown on fourth down. He had multiple first down conversions. I think it was like eight catches for 80 yards and a touchdown. And he had that huge play at the end of the game, third and 10. Derek Carr making a fantastic play like a potential MVP candidate he has been throughout the year. And, and who does he look for? None other than number 13 Hunter Renfro escaping Kenny Moore on a huge play. It was literally a fingertip and a half away from scoring a touchdown on the play on top of it as well, too, which for the Raiders is actually better. You didn't score because it lets you bleed the clock and kick a field goal. But I digress. Nonetheless, Hunter Renfro, I think, has established himself as arguably, if not the top two or three slot receiver in the game, and a true receiver that since Darren Waller's gone down, it has been Hunter Renfro or bust, and they are still in the playoffs at this point as well, too, with a game to go if they win. So I got to gotta give him some love as well, too. He's not going to be most physically imposing. He's It's like... When you had Wes Welker and those guys in the slot in those situations, they'll cook anybody. You can't just line them up out wide and throw jump balls and throw it to him 100,000 times like they do with Devontae Adams. No one's saying that. As far as like those true slot receivers who can also add value as a punt returner as well, does it get a whole lot better at this point as well? too? I mean, you, you cook to the number one nickel corner in the game in a one on one game basically the entire time. Yeah. I mean, look, what he did to Kenny Moore was impressive. Like we've seen him have really good
1: games. Obviously, I I, I called it, you know, the, the one he did earlier this season against uh, Martin Humphrey. Like I you know I said early on I was like he's going to be toasting this dude all day all day long he did but you know to do it against an actual slot corner who is equally as agile as you that's something that's that's a little bit more unheard of because you know that's the thing when you, when you talk about slot versus slot matchups corner versus receiver is you have two guys probably not going to be the tallest guys in the world probably not going to be the most athletic overall but they are the most agile feet and quickest hips that you've ever seen and they just make people miss and it's it it was interesting to watch the game and to watch it back now watch it on hard knocks too just the way that it was i mean it really was the hunter renfro show i mean there's no did, if answer but about butts about it it's it should have been this way a long time ago for hunter renfro he should be their number one option
0: other than darren waller but for some reason he's just always overlooked and they never seem to put him on the field we whenever we did a Rays game we yelled at john gruden like why are you going with seven tight ends and a fullback here why are you taking out all your receivers oh you're putting in four receivers not him and it ends up being a bit of a fallis and since Darren Waller got hurt, they've played a lot of Hunter Renfro and it has showed as well, too. And to quote loosely quote Ryan Clark from what I heard him signing ESPN, ignore the paint job. The dude is an absolutely fantastic football player. And I think that's kind of the best way to summarize it. He has been absolutely yeah. outstanding. Yeah,
1: I mean, look, he doesn't look like the most athletic, but he is uh, he is absolute stud when he gets them all in his hands for sure. I mean,
0: he's going to have 100 plus – I think he's close to 100 catches, if not right there, and north of 1,000 yards. And, if I'm, and is it like eight touchdowns. And considering how often he gets taken off the field and is used as a punt returner with – zay jones and deshaun jackson's ghost is your other options at this point as well too you'll 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 take it if you're if you're the raiders resign that man if you're smart because if he that's that's kind of your future of your receiving core right now as well too considering you seem to have a lot of struggles when you draft them early on yeah no that's
1: for sure but now to go from go from one guy who doesn't look like the most athletic to uh an athletic freak, DJ. How's, what's your second high looking, like?
0: Well, the second one, I'm going to go from someone that looks like they could absolutely overthrow an entire village on horseback, even in the year 2020 if they just rolled in here. I'm looking at Derrick Henry and overall the Titans looking to be in a position to secure the number one seed in the AFC, despite the fact that they had all the injuries. A.J. Brown with his Chipotle issues. We've seen Julio Jones with his hamstring and now the lineup. Derrick Henry's been out since about, what was it, October or something along those lines. They've had, I think it was 80 different players that have played noticeable time for them as well, too. We see Bud Dupree might be out for a little bit now, too, with some of those shenanigans like Caleb Farley. Or, for, or I could go on and on and on and on. The only tangible things, the only things that have been locked in are Mike Variable, Ryan Tannehill, and I think Kevin Byard as well, the only guys that have basically been shirt in throughout the whole thing. And they're in position to be the number one seed in the AFC. It's been a fantastic work as a unit for the Titans. And you get King Henry, Derrick Henry coming back. Week 18 probably, I would imagine, is not going to play much against Houston, maybe a few snaps here and there. But maybe once you get him ready for the playoff run after that bye, it's been an absolutely wonderful job of the Titans. And Mike Vrabel, you could honestly say should be coach of the year, what they have pulled off. They've beaten – they're beating everybody. I mean, they've beaten every good team in the in the playoffs right now. It feels like their losses have been – wait, really? You lost to them? Like, it seems like they, they beat everybody who they're going to be contending with this time of year, and you're getting your horse back on top of it, who is still top 10 in rushing at this point there, after having missed so many games. So got to give the Titans some love as well to what they've been able to accomplish this season. Mike Vrabel, in my opinion, when we do our postseason award show, spoiler, he's my coach of the year at this point. Even if they end up as the number two seed, you still got to this point. Julio Jones is getting back healthy, A.J. Brown. They look like they're in a position to be poised to make a run, and Derrick Henry coming back from that foot injury as well, too. Just his mere presence alone will terrify teams, and it things up a lot more. And Deontay Foreman, he got, he gets some kudos for what he's done in the meantime. So overall, it's the Titans, but also you got to give a shout out to Derrick Henry coming back from this injury so quickly. And what when you look at, as the season comes to end, what he has done with how much time he missed. Yeah, by the way, still
1: finishes in top 10 in rushing. Um, yeah. uh, after missing, I don't know how many, like, what, seven weeks, I think? Something like that, yeah. I think because he yeah. played eight, nine games, something like that, yeah. Yeah, so something silly like that. Still finishes top 10 in rushing. He was that good. That far ahead as well. <laughs> uh, and you mentioned Mike Rabel. Obviously, he won't be my coach of the year. I uh, You know, Zach Taylor, spoiler alert, is uh, who I'm looking at right now. Spoilers. Just, yeah, yeah. Just uh, Just going to go drop that one right there. Uh, but yeah, it's I, I, that's who I'm looking at for coach of the year. Otherwise, I, I mean, you're exactly right, Mike Vrabel, number one seed with what he's been able to do with however many players have cycled through. I mean, honestly, I think I've picked against the Titans almost every single week, and I've been wrong almost every yeah. single week. And that's a testament to how that coaching staff has done. I exactly. just, I just don't expect that many players to roll through as starters. 80 starters—that's
0: in an insane amount of players absolutely it's, it's been absolutely incredible so it's been quite the run for the titans and i look forward to seeing what they can do in the playoffs as they get healthy as well too especially that bye week and who they'll be matched up with so it should definitely be fun watching them go forward but we'll get to my third and final high and i'm not gonna spend a lot of time on this one because this one the numbers speak for themselves i'm looking at jackson smith and jigba the stud receiver for ohio state there's a lot of talk there's no chris olave there is no garrett wilson they were and a couple others were deciding to sit out for the bowl game look for the nfl draft Jackson Smith and Jigba, nah. It's it's all, he, they lose literally all him and CJ Stroud the entire night. And Marvin Harrison Jr., of course, he was outstanding. But Jackson Smith and Jigba with 347 receiving yards, I believe it was. It was north of 340. And three touchdowns took the game over the game. Winning touchdown with the toe tap over the shoulder. He was absolutely sensational against a really, really good Utah defense on top of it. And all that on top of that, when he gets drafted, and I think not this upcoming draft, I think the following draft he's eligible, if not the one after that. I can't remember which one it is. But when he is eligible, I don't. He should be in that conversation of Jamar Chase, Devontae Smith, all of those guys that have come out. He needs to be a top ten type pick as well, too. I don't care what his forty yard dash is. I don't care what his measurables are. When it comes to him on the field, he is absolutely incredible, and we saw that firsthand in that Rose Bowl game. And we talked about the Rose Bowl was we were excited, then we were a little deflated when we saw the holdouts. He, him alone, made that game completely exciting, along with everything else, and he was absolutely fantastic. I look, I look forward to seeing more of him next year. He alone, with CJ Stroud, can make them Ohio State a top two seed once again going to next season. Look, if it's not for Jackson Smith and Jigba,
1: Utah walks away with that game. There's no doubt in my mind about that. He doesn't. He accounts for 347 yards, three touchdowns. He did have the fumble that Utah capitalized on, but you know what? That is fine. Like you do what you did on the on on that. Like you put up a three games worth of numbers in a game, and you can have a fumble. Like I'll accept that. I'll, that's fine. You're not running. You're not running bleachers afterwards. You might run like a couple sprints, but like, you're not running bleachers afterwards. Like you're good, kid. That was absolutely fantastic to watch. I mean, and really, like that was just an all-time performance. And, and in a game where you talk about, does it matter? Does the Rose Bowl matter? We had been harping about that. Does the Rose Bowl even matter anymore? They played like it did. Uh, Jackson yep. Smith and Jigba played like he he cares.
0: So at the end of the day, that's what matters. If they play like they care, I'm all for it. 100% as well, too. So that's going to do it for my highs as well, too. We'll get rolling here a little bit. We're going to go into the low part of our highs and lows. So, Kelsey, we'll let you go and take over first. What are you looking at for your lows? Yeah, so this one is
1: Ken Rosenthal being fired by the MLB for being
0: too mean to
1: Rob Manfred. Oh. Rob okay. Manfred, who, by the way, is just at this point in time, I don't even know if this man likes baseball, if he's just in it for the money or what it is. This dude has just been dropping the ball, the commissioner of the MLB, left and right. They're in the middle of a lockout. He is just making tone-deaf remarks, uh, you know, proposals that are just so outlandish. There's no way he can he can be serious about this. And it's not just him, it's the entire owners, but Ken Rosenthal, who is very harsh to, to Rob Manfred, and rightfully so. He's doing his journalistic job. He's not referring to an editor to get these stats, unlike some people we know in NFLs, in the NFL circle. But, uh, you know, <laughs> he's doing his job, and he's being harsh on the – network that employs him and the, he was employed by MLB network. But because of that, he's getting fired because he's too mean to the commissioner, Rob Manfred at the end of the day. That's what it boils down to. Rob Manfred did not like being called out for his BS. And so he's like, you can take your stuff and walk. And man, if I've never seen a firing that has some stuff written over it, like you can, there's so many repercussions coming back to the MLB and Rob Manfred from this. This is just, and, and when they're already being tone deaf, this is just the,
0: the biggest miss of all for the MLB. I kind of wish that Manfred and them could invest into the toilet paper industry. Cause they'd be able to find the softest ply ever assembled. And I would definitely adore that. So hopefully they get involved in that. Cause I, I agree that that's about as soft as it gets. And that's absolutely embarrassing.
1: Yeah. I mean, look, that's a shoe in for a, a career excellence award for the baseball writers of America. You know, like that you just fired
0: for no real good reason on top of it as well, too. Like that's, Ken Rosenthal is as good as it gets, and it's about, you already, you mentioned it, tone deaf to the situation as well too, especially with the current lockout situation, everything that's going on, then you add this on top of it, it's like, imagine this with like Roger Goodell, arguably the most hated commissioner of all time, it feels like at this point, because everyone hates him, it seems like, imagine if he does something like this as well too, hellfire is raining down from above, so on, I, I agree on this one, this situation is absolutely asinine, and as a 10, and ass 11, and as a 57, however you want long you want to go down the numerical timeline, this is absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, this is just the dumbest thing I've ever seen.
1: But that'll take me to, well, I guess maybe something dumber.
0: Uh, that didn't take long.
1: Novak Djokovic versus the Australian Open and and really at this point in time, the entire country of uh, the entire continent of Australia. As he tried to fly to the Australian Open with a medical exemption or a, a a vaccine exemption, and there was no medical cause. And so they pulled his his visa. He's stuck now in quarantine, his team is appealing trying to see if they can get him into the Australian Open still. He's still out here talking all this crap about the Australian Open and how stupid it is and how this, is that, and the other. He's literally not helping his cause during the appeal. And it's just, it's a situation where this would be fine. Like, honestly, if they just had done this and then Novak Djokovic was like, I messed up. I'm sorry. I'll do what it takes to get to, to get approved. Okay, fine. But no, he's just not helping his case. He's just
0: talking more and it's just getting silly at this point in time. No, obviously the getting the vaccine is your choice as well too, but there are some things that come with it. If you choose not to, and you have to be willing to accept those It's not mandated, but there are private industries are allowed to make that decision. And you can't go off on them on top of it afterwards. Well, too, you knew darn well, it's not like it was a secret or anything. It's not like they surprised you with it. Like this was pretty well established. And you try to be like, no, no. And, and and for countries in
1: when the, you know, it's running rampant again and countries are shutting down borders and travel bans again for, you know, non-medical exempt situations, you gotta know that. Like you <laughs> you have you are literally worth multi-millions, and you just don't have anybody in legal that could just be like, uh yeah, you probably shouldn't
0: do that, man. Maybe just like chill for a day. But no, that's not good enough. Just take a lap or something, take a nap, like find something else to do with that. So apps another you know what? Maybe you did top and maybe you did find something dumber pretty quick. Yeah, I, ones, yeah. I didn't that's think it was possible, know. but I mean, I,
1: actually, no, there's more that we could talk about that is dumber, and, and it's going to get worse right here.
0: Okay, so, you know, it's it's not going to get better before it gets worse. It's, it's going to get worse, and then it's going to get more worse. So what are you looking at for number three? The Washington, I don't care what they're called. <laughs> <laughs> That's what the blanks mean. I honestly
1: don't care what they're called. It, it, they already gave it up. It's going to be the Admirals. They already had the website linked back to their current Washington football team re- uh, website that released two days ago. They have this big announcement made for 222 or – I don't know, 2-2, two, two, It's all twos is all I know about the number. It's dumb. It's, it's so dumb. Like, how do you mess this up? You just saw the CFL mess this up. The Edmonton team just messed this up completely, and then now you're going to do the same exact thing. Worse, though? How do you do it worse? How do you mess up worse than a team that was named hmm. the Eskimos? Hmm. Like, how? How is that possible? You have a billion-dollar corporation running – your social media, and you mess it up even worse. I,
0: I, <sighs> I don't get it. I, your your guess is as good as mine too. I mean, you have already been a team that's qu- quoted or covered in questionability. Is that the way? Is that the best way I could wear this one here? Like they are littered in questionableness. I, they yeah, give I mean, you go all across board, and then you do this on top of it. Like geez. and 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 to add insult to injury, we just had the incident to FedEx
1: Field, which adds another insult to injury to FedEx Field. Of can we just e- implode this entire franchise? Move it somewhere else to a new stadium where it's not going to kill people. Can we please do this now? Like, end it now. End it. The debacle, it's over. NFL, pull the plug. Snyder doesn't deserve a team anymore. Just move it
0: on along. Just move the stadium literally a block away if you have to at this point. Because right there on that particular slab of land is the end of careers as we know it. it feels like. Yeah, like, like, move, it to, move it to Virginia. They can still be a D.C. team in Virginia. Help oh, put them on the top of an island and give them a helipad to play on at this point or something. I mean, my goodness. <laughs> something, man. Like, do what they – yeah, exactly. Do what they did for uh, for Qatar World's Cup. Yeah, they'll find something as well, too. But, like, my goodness, it seems to be a mess. And then you add on top of it that situation with the railing. It's like, really? Is that not key enough, too? If I was on the people that fell on that railing, I would not get up until I was in – I would have gotten up in a wheelchair and already been asking for money. I'd have an open briefcase looking at Mr. Snyder like, sir. you Oh, man. Ways this you, think, can go. you think that Tom Brady fan – got paid oh man you, you you wouldn't you would just wait and see the bills that i'm rolling in absolutely like I'd, I'd be sitting there and be like you keep filling it we're not done yet here i mean oh how ah, my leg or something, as soon as they didn't start paying so jerry if, jones what, might want to watch out i might become a new part owner of the cowboys well you know what you're talking about joe judge there as well too i might be having <laughs> we might be talking about joe judge here in a minute but i'm gonna go and get through my three lows really quickly i'm gonna just kind of coast through in the first one i'm gonna start in tampa bay i'm looking at the situation with antonio brown and i'm looking at both sides. Antonio Brown. For how he handled that, too, storming off the field, throwing his pads, waving, jumping jacks, and just disappearing. You can't. I don't like the way he handled that necessarily as well, too. That's kind of a mess. Posting these screenshots afterwards of texts as well, too, between him and on his Instagram story between him and Bruce Arians, him and Alex Guerrero, the Tom Brady's personal trainer, how he came to fame as well, too, and I guess was working with Antonio Brown. I don't like how he handled that. And on top of it, if what he is saying and his team is saying is true about they tried to force him to play with that ankle injury, that is not a good look as well, too, because there's talk about Rob Gronkowski playing with those injured ribs, being forced to play more often as well, too. There's, there's a lo- fine line going on for both sides as well, too, and I'm worried that they're going to both meet it ahead and we're going to see a nuclear implosion. And for those of you who bet on Tampa Bay before the season, they're getting a little bit nervous right now. Like, are you kidding me? All, there just has to be something all the time. If it, and then there was talk of Antonio Brown being upset with his targets because of that money on top of it as well, too, that the incentives he has coming up as well, too. There's They're saying there's him and Tom Brady having a conversation about that not too long beforehand. Then he doesn't want to play because of the ankle injury that's going to need surgery. Like, And now they're saying they're trying to find the records of it, that doctor he went to as well, too. And this whole thing's turned into an absolute mess. And I hate to see it because Antonio Brown was one of the best receivers we've ever seen for six years. He's a first ballot Hall of Famer based on those numbers alone. But everything else on top of it as well, too, feels like, a little bit of a waste. And on top of that, though, if what they're saying is true about Tampa and Bruce Arians and them trying to force him to play on that ankle, that's not a good look either as well, too. And that might end up getting him another chance. They are officially going to release him on the day this is recording on Thursday as well, too. They did announce they will officially release him today after not having released in a few days. But this that, his contract, though, by the exactly. way, it's an absolute mess. An absolute ish showing. and. My goodness. I, I didn't think it could get any more ridiculous, but it just continued. By the time, that by like a day after we record this, it's probably going to get even more ridiculous. Yeah, this is just silly. I,
1: one side, you can't do that. The other side, you can't do that. It's just that simple.
0: Like, like The truth is probably somewhere in the middle. And either way, it's still bad in the middle as well, too. Like, I don't know where the truth is because it's I don't think either side is 100% correct. But that spot in the middle is not very good for either side either. Like, it's not pretty. The grass is not greener. Not at all. Not even a little bit. Not at all. And that's going to take me to the second one. Speaking of things that are not always greener. You talked about Joe Judge earlier. Well, Joe Judge is not, and the New York Giants have kind of turned into my second low as well, too, considering he, A, we're going to start with that post game rant he had against after they got absolutely smacked 29 to 3 by the Bears. He started by calling it saying this is not a clown show, trying to basically seem like he was begging for his job, honestly. He's like, please don't fire me. Please don't fire me. And then he took the shots of Washington saying, so this ain't a team that's having fist, fist up fights on the sideline. This ain't some clown show organization or something else as well, too which if I'm Ron Rivera, I think he's also he's clapped back as well, too. I'd be clapping back as well. Like you don't you don't take shots at other teams to try and save your job as well, too. You shouldn't have to plead to reporters after a game like, please don't fire me. Please don't fire me, especially when they out publicly had said they had faith and were giving you next year. And then you started to go playing even worse after that. You, you've relegated to the point where Daniel Jones is the savior. I'm starting to question, is he really that bad? Honestly, I'm starting to think like we talked about like we don't think he's we think you should look to replace him you know what, maybe this is a situation where maybe you get him a different coach and things flip around. Obviously, it's not entirely true because Daniel Jones fumbles every other play. But you get my point as well, too, where it's like Joe just says it's not a clown show, but he's he's jumping out of there wearing wearing a nice big red nose and some colorful hair and some oversized shoes on top of it. So I'm not saying this is a clown show, but he's definitely not dressed for what he's doing then.
1: My favorite part of the commentary was, oh, I have players on the phone texting me that are the other teams that were free agents that are like, oh, we want to come back to the organization. We want to be there. We wish we were still in New York. Who? Who are these players? Because I swear to God, you could reach out and try to sign them. If they want to be with you, they're obviously not in a good situation, or they're probably not even playing. And I'm pretty sure your team could improve. I'm just gonna Are you sure say they that. said
0: they want to join you or they just want to be in the NFL? Like, you got to yeah. be specific there as well, too, because, I mean, I'll join the Giants for that paycheck. I won't like Joe Judge, and he's, from the reports, he's not exactly the nicest guy, but I'll deal with it for that salary. Like, it's an, it, he says it's not a clown show, but it, it's kind of a clown show at this point. I, I will put
1: a bright red nose on, and I will grow out my hair to make it an afro, and I will dye it multicolors, and I will wear my big-ass shoes, and you can call me clown number one for that type of paycheck.
0: That's uh, all that needs to be said as well, too. I will take those snaps and fumble if you need to as well, too. But that's going to take me to my third and final low. And it's not even really so much a low. It's more of a really? Are you kidding me? ESPN granting Jake Paul the K over the year over after his knockout over Tyron Woodley. Great knockout, embellished, a very dramatic face plant. But really, this is the one you go K over the year. Not Canelo Alvarez with him absolutely destroying, I think, his Billy Joe's face on top of it. Not Tyson Fury over Deontay Wilder in the trilogy fight. Not Kamaru Usman sending... Jorge Masvidal's head into the seventh row in Miami. Like you're telling me that this is the one you pick. Not any of those three with the two best heavyweights in the world going head to head, the best boxer in the world, getting an absolute vintage performance, arguably the best UFC fighter decapitating the guy who is thought could be, could be, a, you give it to Jake Paul decapitating a 40 year old after uh, on 12 days, no and after what was an absolutely hideous fight and just kind of smacking his right hand into him, which was more a dramatic face flop than it was a knockout on top of it as well too. like, was a great knockout. We talked about it a couple weeks ago. Great on him, but this is what you do. ESPN, come on, man. This is this feels like you're you're fishing for clicks.
1: Look at this point in time. You own the the UFC, right? Like you own rights to the UFC. Why are you picking a boxing thing, considering this man just insulted the CEO of the UFC? Like I, I like this is ESPN being like, huh? You know what? I see we have that property, but uh, no, nah, no, nah, nah. no, we don't want it.
0: Unless I missed something, and it was only a boxing KO of the year. Which, if that is the case, then why not Canelo Alvarez or something like that? Why not Tyson Fury going against Deontay freaking Wilder after getting dropped multiple times? Like you got to put a, of them there, are better. There's a it was a it great job I'm just, questionable. Yeah. Oh, the hand twitch. I, I don't look too yeah. much into that. I I think that was a little bit overblown. But I agree with you as well. Too you, just add that add that on top as well. too. people twitch twitching, it's whatever. It's just really. We're This is who we're giving the KO of the year to like good on him. You, you it was a great KO. Cheers to you. But damn it, ESPN. Why? Yeah. Like, I don't hold you to a high standard, but it's a little bit higher than this. Let's not forget Disney fired him once before. I don't know why they're giving him any awards for free, for anything. Well, th- well, there's some smoke I didn't even think of. So just throw that on top of the pile as well, too. So that's pretty much all I have for Lowe's as well, too. We've gone through the lows. It's the lows of lows. But we're going to get to Kelsey's favorite segment of the entire episode. It is called Crunch Time. And the Crunch Time is, of course, brought to you by Swift Lifestyles as well, too. Wonderful, kind of like gamer feel as well, too. Some pre-workout. Good. Helps you get going. Helps you get the energy you need, a little bit of caffeine. But without the itch and the real weird sweatiness you get with some traditional pre-workouts. And I'm going to go ahead and jump into my Crunch Time really quickly as well, too. Because we both have some strong opinions on both of ours. I'm just going to get through mine quickly. Kirk Herbstreet, faceplant, facepalm. That's pretty much all I got. Talking about players not loving the game for holding out as well, too. They're holding out, so they're not even holding out. They're deciding not to play in a meaningless game because there's only three playoff games. Make more playoff games, I guarantee you they don't sit out. They're sitting out to go play more football at the next level. Like, it's absolutely insane. Joe Burrow's not playing week set with the final week of the season because the Bengals have already clinched. They could get the number one seed if things fall in their way, but they'd rather Joe Burrow be healthy for the playoff run. Does he not love the game? I mean, I've seen his knee get snapped in half multiple times. Like, players sit in the NFL in the final week all the time. I think his comments were a little... I don't want to say he played and he's a smart guy. Like I respect a lot of things he does, but these comments were a little bit out of the 18th left field or something. However you want to describe as well to me, this ain't it chief. That's the best way to describe his comments as well. And, and we saw what happened with Matt Corral. Like what Matt Matt Corral should have probably sat out, honestly. I mean, it's easier said than done, but it was absolutely a tone deaf comments on his part.
1: Look, I, 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 I've talked about this. We've talked about this constantly. Like in my opinion, if player doesn't have anything to gain, why are they playing? I thought Matt Corral should not be playing. And we talked about that, actually, whether he was playing or not. I was like, I don't care if he's if he's playing. I don't think he should. But, you know, I'm not going to stop a kid. But, yeah, Kirk Kirk's comments came straight out of the 1940s where you played football with a leather helmet and no face mask. And with so, a bullet in your back,
0: if necessary, if you could. Yeah, move, I mean, you like
1: know. you were you were literally put in a body cast after a game for the most part. Like it's not that game anymore, man. Like. It, we we worry about things like head injuries. We worry about things like being able to walk and talk to a child in the future. Like, it's it's not that game anymore. So like, yeah, that was just uncalled for for Kirk Herbstreit, a guy with his position
0: too. Exactly. I mean, secure the bag however you need to secure it as well. Too. That's that's priority number one as well. Too. And you, I can't fault. I don't fault any players. We wish they were playing because we love to watch them play. But I do not, Once tweet, we said it last week on the show too, do not fault them even a little bit. Almost encourage them to sit out in those situations as well too. So hopefully, um, we'll see. Hopefully that's not something we have to be talking about too much more time. Hopefully this is the last time. And Kelsey, you got a bit of a flaming steamer as your final, as your crunch time as well too. I figure let's get rolling into yours. Yeah, you might want to call it a Cleveland one. Um, But yeah, this is uh all about Baker Mayfield and
1: well, the Baker situation. The saga that is Baker Mayfield has been in 2022. Uh, 2021, I should say that it's extended to 2022 now. Cause he couldn't shut his mouth. Um, so you obviously have a terrible 2021 season. There's no question about that. It was not pretty. You refuse to come out. First of all, if you're Baker Mayfield, you refuse to come out. I've supported him all, th- all season long because he has been injured. I'm just like, yeah, he's, he's playing through it. That's fine. Cool. I put it on the, I put it on the front office. Like you need you need to be the one to step in and, and not let him play, but he didn't help himself last week after after the losing against the Steelers in a what was a game if you could even be like a decent quarterback you win. I realistically speaking like they should easily win that game. Hell, he could but, have been mediocre and they could have won. He was too so much worse than mediocre. Exactly. I mean like you just just be a quarterback that exists that doesn't suck really at this point in time. Um but he couldn't do that. And then on top of that he wants to go and talk about Oh, the offense! Oh, this! Oh, that! Oh, this! That and the other thing, you know. You have you have Case Keenum coming out and saying, "Yeah, it was a miracle we even got Baker on the field every every week." Like, why? Why are you playing? Stop it! Just we just like I Kirk Herbstreit commentary. That's exactly what Baker's playing like is like he's Kirk Herbstreit's commentary. Like, sh- no, this isn't the way to play. You, nobody gains from that. The fans don't enjoy watching that people who like football don't enjoy watching that because that's all the honestly that's the storyline we have to hear the entire year and it's miserable like it's overplayed it's it's stupid and then you can't shut your damn mouth afterwards about it about how it's somebody else's fault how it's somebody else, No dude you literally said and I quote you you I'm the one who chooses when I get to sit down which tells me you want me to blame your play on how good or well or, or, or your success on how well you play on the field that's what it tells me. And and really, you sucked. Like that you sucked this season. So you don't deserve a contract that that, that co- make a contract you want to get next year. That's the that's the truth of the matter. Like, you know, we talked about this three years is what I'm looking at with him. Maybe 80 million at the most, guaranteed. Like, and that's not even fully guaranteed. That'd be like with stipulations. Because I just don't think he's done enough to earn it. And then on top of that, you just it just keeps going between him, his wife, his agent. I mean, I don't know who's to believe anymore, but it's just all overblown. I mean, this this guy's been doing these things in the commercials in the stadium. He's not even going to be playing in the stadium probably next year.
0: Just, We'll just kind of add on to your point as well, too. Going back to that, in October, I think it was, the initial report was he wasn't on the same page with Stefanski for the offense. He hated the multiple tight end looks and the running back and that sort of thing. He wanted more bootlegs. Your ankle was hurt. Your heel was hurt. Like, you were so beat up. Why Could would you won. roll you out when you're a walking cast? So that was to help you. The tight ends keep you healthy, like they keep you in the block. They set up the run, and those are your best weapons, really. Like you're you're three deep at tight end, well, two and a half. And yeah. on top of that, too, well, you got what you wanted against the Steelers, and you got sacked nine times because you were holding the ball and pump faking a, lot. a couple of those were TJ Watts, TJ Watt. He's gonna get to the quarterback sometimes. Like you just have to accept that. There's the famous one on third down when when it was three tight ends, he sat there and pump faked it. We called it four times on the cast yeah, five, times, well. five times, yeah. And then we saw the replay, we're like oh god, that's even worse than we saw. Like, well, too, like you're. You're not doing any favors. And then afterwards, you say, you complain, oh, well, that was, you basically, I'm paraphrasing once again, complaining about them leaving the right tackle one-on-one with TJ Watt. Well, it wasn't that often, and you wanted this. You wanted the empty sets and more receivers as well. You wanted those opportunities to pirouette out of the pocket, and you threw an interception on one of them while rolling to the left because you didn't hit David and Joku on a short crossing route right in front of your face. The reason you want outside the pocket is because you see better out there. That's how you can see things in college. It didn't being shorter didn't affect you because those windows are absolutely massive, especially in the Oklahoma offense. Because my goodness, I remember seeing Kyler Murray bolt through those for a thousand yards. Jalen Hurts, same thing. Even Caleb Williams and Spencer Rattler had his moments. It's different when you get to the NFL. It's a run first offense. That's what you. That's what you get. You got Nick Chubb and Cream Hunt and Dearness Johnson. Now, who who saw that coming? Up, right, like you're going to see a lot of those three tight end looks. So, I think it's. It's not even that Baker can't be a starting quarterback. We've talked about this. He is a starting caliber quarterback. If you wanted to get rid of him, we we, we thought everyone was jumping the gun early with getting rid of him up until today, really. We were yeah. like, you can't get rid of him because you can't really get anything in return necessarily. I mean, Marcus Merida was arguably your best option. So you got to get something in return to replace him. He's starting caliber, but these two teams need a divorce at this point. They clear, Or they got to rectify some things real quick. Like,
1: Yeah, like there's a chance now in Minnesota to maybe go get Kirk Cousins because obviously Mike Zimmer might not be there. And so that might be a chance to restart both situations, best situation for both. And I think it's really it's not. No, I'm not blaming Baker for all of it. Let's let me be very clear. It is still sixty percent the front office for just letting him play. Like you shouldn't have let him play. Stefanski, there's some questionable play calls like with Nick Chubb, but Baker still has a lot of blame on him.
0: I think. I think if I gave an individual blame, he'd probably be the most individual blame. But that's because like the entire front office situation is like split up. That's not an individual, if that makes sense as well, too. Like and on top of that, weirdly enough, Nick Chubb, everyone talks about he had 15 and a half carries a game last year. He had 16 this year. And last year, no one really said anything about Nick Chubb's carries. It also hurts because I love Nick Chubb, but he's very injury prone, whether it's there's also the COVID thing. I don't want to say that makes you injury prone, but unfortunately, he misses games a good handful of games every year. Then Kareem Hunt went down on top of that. You got to give Kareem Hunt the ball. Ernest Johnson came out of nowhere and was a was a marvel. So that's just kind of how it plays out. You can't leave Nick Chubb in there all the time. So it's a weird situation. But you talked about for Kirk Cousins, that'd be him and reuniting him and him and Kevin Stefanski. Who, while Kirk Cousins' stats were a little bit lower, they got to the playoffs and they won ten games. And he, the yards per play, were outstanding. So that's a good one.
1: Jay has lit up the league yet again. He's a, he's an all. He, he's going to a Pro Bowl. And then by the way, Adam Thielen, top ten in, in touchdowns. Absolutely as well too. So like this defense, the offense clearly
0: can work. You just need a quarterback who doesn't want to change things or doesn't have an ego as weird. If that sounds right. Do you think that's fair to say about him? I don't, I, don't like, but I think going back to even college, I think it's fair to say that Bakes got a little bit of outgoing ego to himself. He's, he's always played with a chip on his
1: shoulder. You know, we've talked about it before you kind of compare it to a, a chip of a linebacker. Like a, I hate to say it like a Thad Castle chip, yeah. if you will, but you can't do that as a quarterback. You have to be even
0: killed as a quarterback and, too emotional you you just it's 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 not going to work absolutely not all right so it's getting a little bit longer so i'm going to round that out with my idea for them if they're going to make a de- decision i like kirk cousins i'm going to say the browns trade baker mayfield and their first round pick to the lions for jared goff and their first round pick which is going to be a top two or three and if you can't get that then maybe you do the rams first round pick which is later it kind of depends you might have to you might have to take the rams later pick as well too but or maybe even throwing a third on top of it so you swap quarterbacks give them both a new start as well too You get, you probably move back in the draft a little bit, but at that point you could trade back and get more picks because really you don't need a whole lot if you're the Browns. You got a lot of talent, especially if you bring back Jadavian Clowney, draft a receiver of some kind, maybe bring in a couple guys in free agency, should be good to go. Jared Goff, we saw in that Rams run heavy offense with Todd Gurley, Super Bowl all the way to the Super Bowl, and ran into a Patriots team that was a juggernaut defensively. No, no one had the answer for. We saw him last year on that defensive team go to the playoffs and win a playoff game. Jared Goff. The ultimate ego list type of quarterback. He's literally, he almost shows up and is like, I'm cool. Like, you could do whatever you want with him. Him and Baker, weirdly enough, 17 touchdowns each passing the season. Jared did it in two less games, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, two less games on top of it. So they have virtually identical passing stats with much, much less at receiving. A, like, much less overall, too. I mean, you have yeah. TJ Hawkinson, and that is just about it. Like, yeah, And you have this stuff occasionally. Yeah. And the Browns have three tight ends. Your best receiver was Amon Ross St. Brown in the last five weeks, roughly, give or take, when he came up across. When, by the way, Jared Goff was only around for two of those five weeks. Exactly. And you still have, like, people. I'd take Peoples-Jones, Jarvis Landry, Anthony Schwartz is there. You had Odell at one point. You ran Odell out of town, more or less, with how yeah. that whole situation went. Three out. tight ends that are all better than everybody else's tight ends
1: to start with, for the most part. Are running
0: backs who are better than DeAndre Swift on top of a better offensive line, better defense? The Lions were weirdly competitive in a lot. I mean, hell, you picked them almost every single week, too, and you were all maybe... Th- 30 total points from them having a winning record and making you look like a genius at one point, too. Like, that's how close they were in the Lions games, and a lot of that was Jared Goff. They each have 17 pass touchdowns. Goff had fewer interceptions, much less talent. I don't hate it as well, too. I mean, I, I don't hate the idea. Or if Jameis Winston somehow comes available because the Saints are dumb and let him go. Like, Yeah, like, I don't honestly, I, I thought for sure you
1: just let Baker sit, uh, you know, get healthy for next year, and then all this came out this the last
0: two days, three days, and I'm just... I, I think he's burning bridges at this point in time. It's just not going to be good. There, Of course, he did retaliate on Twitter, basically saying, like, it's an absolute lie. He's never – nobody he knows or he's talked to him about it. So there's obviously – there is – don't telling both sides of the story. We're telling both sides. Like, there is a chance that this was all fabricated as well, too. Like, there, no one's saying this is permanent. This is just what we hear and what we're going off of. So if all that is true, it's something's got to give as well. But we heard the same thing with Odell, and we're told it was all kind of false, too, and look how it ended up. So if it isn't true, and Baker does stick around as well, too, he's got to get healthy bring in a receive bringing another receiver or two and they gotta they gotta find some they gotta find some middle ground as well too because they're not going to go five wide in this offense you have to accept that and that's not your strengths either no like I, I you know what well, this is
1: what we need to do Brown's nation I, I, if somebody's out there listening get a hold of baker tell him we challenged him to come on and and give us a straight answer what happened this season like how bad was your shoulder really i want to know how bad structurally his real his shoulder really was for him like, I want to know what that range of motion is. Because to this day, I have still not seen an interview with his range of motion. Because you, every other quarterback I've seen with shoulder injury, they're like, oh, so what's your range of motion look like? And they're like, oh, about here, and it hurts. I've never seen it with Baker. I, I've not seen that conversation yet so whatsoever. So yeah. I need to see that conversation before I come up with final decision for Baker. But right now, this is, man, this is getting
0: old. 100% and they do still have that fifth year option so it's not like he has to make a decision they can still stick around he has a chance to earn a lot of money next year when he comes back healthy as well if he comes back healthy next year as well too so there's a lot playing out to this and I kind of hope that the new reports aren't 100% correct because we as much as we it sounds like we don't we both kind of like Baker we think he has an incredible he has a lot of talent a strong arm there's some limitations and you can't his limitations he can't overcome injury because that makes him even more limited but we will see it all play out as well too and once again always welcome to come on the podcast we Shoot, yeah. great shooters and you're not gonna see us twisting but and we just post the entire thing so i fully support baker and and you know making his own
1: decision that's fine i just you know you got to do the right thing for yourself some ca- occasionally and and i think some this is one of those players he tries to be an iron man that doesn't need to be an iron man and, you know that's like not everybody needs to be a matt stafford and and that's how, that's how old did thing. that go for matt stafford
0: really in his exactly. career exactly
1: and, and the, how many losing seasons did he have like baker you need to look at that and like oh i don't need to be that guy and then adjust and that's, you know, like, I'd love to have Baker on and just chat with him because I think there's a lot to, to learn from him. But, uh, I mean, I yeah, I don't think
0: it will ever get the full story on this one. Not a chance. And hopefully this – uh, hopefully we'll see how this thing plays out in the oncoming weeks. But once again, that will do it for DJ and Kelsey. As always on the High Low Sports Podcast, it is always a pleasure. Love that you guys tuned in for us for the live stream or the podcast or wherever you're seeing it as well, too. We appreciate you spending some time with us. And we will see you guys again next week and on ColorCast this week. So keep an eye on our socials for those as well, too. But we'll see you guys next week.